Well, this is sermon two of what I'm calling refuel. Now, in these sermons, what I'm trying to do is to take the concept of refuel, one that we're all familiar with, and apply it to one's spiritual life, that we can be full of God. Yet I'm aware that in our culture, the idea of refilling has some negative connotations because nobody really likes to go to the gas station. Nobody really likes that when you're on a trip, you have to stop and pull over and fill her up. Gas stations know this. That's why they try to, try to make it easier on us. They put coffee inside, they have restaurants, they put stores inside. But it's still a drag, no, no matter how nice they make it. Yeah, you put your credit card into the slot to pay for gas and they start asking you all these questions. Debit or credit? What's your zip code? Is that your real hair? <laughs> it's a lot of work. Not always easy, particularly when that machine won't read your card. Particularly if you don't have cash, <laughs> the machine won't read your card. But if you're here this morning and you want a vibrant relationship with God, you want to draw close to him, you want the intimacy that you long for, if you want to experience the freedom and the fullness that comes along with being connected to Jesus Christ, then we have to learn to refill, to refuel. Our theme verse for both of these sermons has been Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will not fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You and I can be filled, refueled, with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, if that's what we want, here's the big question. If we want it, and it's available to us, why is it that many of us live with emptiness in our lives? Why is it so prevailing? People say, I feel dry, I feel distant from God, I feel empty inside. Diane and I have had the privilege of helping two of our children move. Jason and Nitty from Alabama to North Carolina, and Jessica and John from California to Georgia. We showed up at both homes to pack them up. By the way, not my preferred use of vacation time. Diane also had the privilege of flying down to Georgia to help Jesse unpack what we packed in California. And that involved opening up a lot of boxes and not finding what you're looking for. You thought it was in that box, but once you opened it, you found that it wasn't. Anyone relate to that? You open a box and you don't find what you're looking for. And the same can be true about trying to refuel your spiritual life. 
Many of us for years have tried to figure out how to connect really with God, how to, how to be close to God, have a vibrant relationship with him. We've opened, opened a lot of boxes that people have told us that inside that box you're going to find a way to connect with God to refuel our life. Maybe you can relate to some of the boxes that I've tried to open up. There's the get up an hour early in the morning and read the Bible box. Because all good Christians, that's what they do, right? They wake up an hour early because good Christians rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Good Christians wake up peppy. Good morning, God. It's a great day. It doesn't work for me. I am not peppy in the morning. I don't even speak English in the morning. But I had this idea that if I wanted to be a Christ follower, I had to get up an hour early and read the Bible. And if I missed that, he was going to be mad at me all day long. Or I was going to feel guilty because I didn't get it done that morning. So the early morning hour box didn't work for me. Then I opened another box. The box about learning how to pray. Now, maybe somebody has heard of this one before. The Acts prayer? That's how, when you want to learn to pray, it's kind of a, an acronym for how to do it. You pray for A, which is adoration. You adore God first. Then C, you confess your sins. Then T, thanksgiving. You find things to be thankful to God for, and you express that. And then S, supplication, which is no, nothing other than a long word for help. That's how you pray if you want to connect with God. Now, to be honest, it was a great tool when I first was trying to get a handle on how to pray. But for me, after a while, it, it became forced, it became mechanical. I was going through the steps. It was inauthentic. So that box didn't really work for me either. Maybe I'm a hard case. I don't know. Then I opened another box, and maybe you've tried this one too. It was the read through the Bible every year box. Many of us have tried it. Many of us has, have failed at it. I actually made it one year, all the way through the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. It goes like this. All you have to do is to read three chapters a day, every single day, and then you will have read through the Bible in a year. So January 1st, you're cranking on it. You actually are doing pretty well in January. You're doing your three chapters a day. If you miss a day, you read six the next day to make up for it. You get through Genesis, maybe Exodus, but by the time you get to the fourth animal sacrifice on the fifth hill and the eighth high priest in Leviticus, you're like, well, that doesn't work so well for me either. So for me, it was box after box after box that I was opening with the desire that I wanted to be closer to God. 
but they just left me feeling that I'm obligated and I, I usually ended up feeling guilty because I, I just didn't do it regularly. One day I was reading the Gospels and I noticed something. Jesus had these brief connections with people and they walked away refueled. They walked away filled up. They walked away changed. I could give you a lot of examples of what I mean, but let me share just a couple with you. In Matthew 8, a guy comes to Jesus to be healed. Jesus says, be healed, and he goes away. Healed, happy, thrilled. Another one in Matthew 8, Jesus simply touches the hand of Peter's mother-in-law, and she's healed. Just touched her. Matthew 9, Jesus says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And a paralyzed man stands up and walks away. Later, a woman touches Jesus as he moves through a crowd. And he stops and he says, who touched me? And the woman identifies herself. And Jesus uses nine words. Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Boom! A changed life. In Mark 6, the disciples are scared to death. Jesus walks into the scene with a few words. It's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And everything changed. They were refueled with the presence of Jesus Christ. Why did God in all his sovereignty in choosing what was going to be included in the Bible, why did he include these encounters with Jesus that were short but very refueling? And I thought to myself, what if I can be refueled and it isn't limited to that one hour in the morning that I fail out so often and feel so guilty about? What if we can be refueled every moment of the day because we understand God's Spirit in us? That Jesus is right here, not a distant deity that we have to make an appointment to meet. What if instead of making time for him, you simply become more aware of him. What if you and I were to embrace what Brother Lawrence found in the 1600s when he said, practice the presence of God. Anybody ever hear of Brother Lawrence? That means none of you have read his book, Practicing the Presence of God. It's a skinny little book. Every single one of you need to read that book. It's one of the best things in Christianity. Brother Lawrence worked in a monastery in the kitchen. He was handicapped. But he learned every day and every moment of the day how to practice being in the presence of God. No matter what he was doing. And you know what? People came from all out the all through the Christian world to learn from him. 
And there's a little book, maybe a hundred pages, maybe less than that, that he wrote. And it's worth your time. Let me tell you, it's worth your time. You want to be refueled? There it is. That's what I want to challenge you to think about today. Last week I mentioned I'm going to ask you to stop something and to start something in this journey to learn how to be refueled. What I want to challenge you to stop is stop thinking so big. That's different. But stop thinking so big. I'm trying to free you up from the guilt and unrealistic expectations that you or someone else have put on you. I've discovered that to be spiritually refueled, it doesn't have to come from one huge spiritual feeding that you check off your list each morning, got that done, or from reading through the Bible every year, or praying according to some type of set pattern. Now hear me, none of these are bad in themselves. But so many of us have tried and end up feeling like failures. Instead, I want to encourage you to practice the presence of God. And as odd as that sounds, to begin to nibble spiritually throughout the day. You know nibble. We've been locked up in our homes for three months. What have you been doing? Oh, yeah, nibble. I go through one of those big things of Clausen pickles every week. I nibble. That's not all, but I'm, that's all I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> we stay in contact with God by nibbling each day. Jesus said in Luke 16, unless you are faithful in small things, you won't be faithful in the large ones. You and I need to get over the idea that this whole go big or go home thing applies to our faith. I don't think it's biblical. Small is beautiful. God loves and blesses the small and honors the small and uses the small. Matthew 17 says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And in terms of service, Jesus said, Even if, you, if you give a cup of cold water to the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. How small is a cup of cold water? Some of us live our spiritual lives in total guilt. We think we're a spiritual failure because when we compare ourselves to some other people, we just don't measure up with them, we think. And we've adopted this idea that we have to spend this large amount of time investing in God. Well, I want to say that we can be refilled by God with sincere, small connections with God each and every day. What I want to challenge you to do is start enjoying 
the small connections with God. If you're spiritually empty, if you're dry, start enjoying the small connections. When my son was in the Navy, he was stationed on the USS Boxer in the Middle East. And we obviously, because of that, didn't get to spend much time with him. But we stayed in contact regularly by email. A number of times each week, we would email each other uh, and let them know what was going on in our lives. And it kept the relationship strong, even though he's on the other side of the world from us. One of the hardest times in my life was when the Gulf War started and they shut down the email. No contact at all. And that was nerve-wracking. There's no touches with each other. It was so, so good when I got that first email after they turned the system back on. Justin, I'm okay. And that's all we needed to know. You can have a connection with God in little ways throughout your, your day. And those little connections will bring you life change and will refuel you. Now, I am not suggesting, and don't hear me say that, I am not suggesting that all your connections with God should be small. Not at all. I want you to have a depth and maturity in your faith. And that's what discipleship groups provide for. There are times when you really do need to spend some significant amount of time digging into God's Word with other fellow believers. But I also believe that a spiritual diet can be full with nourishment from nibbling throughout the day. Being refueled is not about a big amount of time. Take the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he gave us a very, very short prayer, didn't he? It's about 65 words. It takes, what, 20 seconds to say it? Isn't that interesting? Something so short can have so much depth. I want you to start enjoying the small connection. Those connections will bring you into the presence of God. Start looking for connecting triggers in your day. Those things that will trigger your heart and your mind to God and his presence. Triggers that will move you into the presence of God. Memory triggers are all throughout the Bible. When Jesus taught, he took an earthly reality and he would make a connection to the kingdom of God. He would take an earthly reality and point us back to the power and presence of God, whether it was talking about weeds or water or whatever. And the most famous one of these is communion that we just did together, the bread and the wine. 1 Corinthians 11 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread is the trigger. It's to take our, our mind and our heart into the power and presence of God. Back to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. It's a trigger of connection.
the Old Testament. God institutes Passover as a trigger for the Israelites to remember their deliverance from Egypt. Exodus 12, you must remember this day forever. Each year you will celebrate it as a special feast to the Lord. Why? Because they didn't have enough festivals? No. Because in celebrating this particular event, their mind goes back to God and what God in his power and his presence did for them and is doing for them now. The rainbow is a trigger to remember that God won't destroy the earth by a flood ever again, right? That's what it says. But not all of them are as pretty as a rainbow. Abraham got circumcision. Imagine his conversation with God. Seriously? Are you kidding me, God? Noah gets a rainbow and I get this? You and I need memory triggers. Or we'll be just like the Israelites and forget all about the power and presence of God in our lives. Now I think you really need to come up with your own triggers. Things that work for you to draw your mind into God and his presence. Let me give you some examples. When you're taking a shower... Think of it as God showering his blessings upon you that day, or that week, depending on how often you actually shower. Or think about it as God washing all your sins away. Every time you take a shower, you can connect with God, if that's one of your triggers. Another person uses a stoplight as a trigger. A stoplight symbols to him, symbolizes to him how God answers prayer. Red is no, green is yes, and yellow means not yet or maybe. And that draws his mind to a God that's not distant, not way out there. He hears us when we pray. He's right there involved in our lives. I like those little... I don't know what you call them. They're kind of beware of the deer signs along the road where you got the leaping deer. I think of the song, As a deer panteth after water, so my soul longs after you when I see one of those. It's a trigger to connect with God while I'm looking out for deer. I can multitask. <laughs> I'm asking you to think of everyday triggers in your life that will move you into or remind you of the power and presence of God. It continually amazes me how quickly God can change my perspective and give me hope and joy. It's such a simple little thing to do. When you see a trigger, stop, be quiet, and make a connection with God. Couldn't be easier to remember. Now, if this message seems really, 
really simple to you, then I have succeeded. Because I am not talking about anything uh, complicated or difficult to understand. The reality is God made us to love him. If we make that process too difficult, it results in dead ends, possibly a lot of emptiness in our life. Deuteronomy 30 says this, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend to heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it. Obey it. No. The word is in your heart so that you may obey it. You don't have to go anywhere to connect with Jesus. God's presence is always with you, wherever you are, right here, right now. That's because he lives inside of you as a follower of Jesus. The Spirit of God has invaded your body. He's not some distant deity. Romans 8 tells us, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Sometimes we suffer such a disconnect. We have the Holy Spirit in our life. God put it there when we became believers in Jesus Christ. And yet in our minds, we think God is out there somewhere on the farthest star. When he said, no, I'm in your heart through the power and the presence of my spirit. Everywhere you go, I go with you. What kind of a God does that for us? One who wants a relationship. One who loves us. You are in the presence of God right now. When you leave here, you're going to be in the presence of God. When you go to work, you're going to be in the presence of God. When you play golf, the presence of God is right there. God wants you to know that his presence surrounds you every single day. He doesn't want you to run on empty. He doesn't want us to be disconnected. He wants us to be refueled daily. And he made that possible by choosing to live in us. Let's pray. Father, I really don't know what to say. You have chosen to live in us. I don't know what else you could have done that would tell us more clearly that you want a relationship with us.
that you want to be connected with us. That you want us in your presence and, and you in us. Help us to be more aware of your presence in our life. Each and every day as we go through life. May we come up with things that draw our mind and our heart back to you each and every day so that we might get better at practicing the presence of Jesus Christ. For we ask this in his name. Amen.